Welcome to the Unified Endurance Podcast, episode 193. I've taken back over the reins because last week, Rob Jones confused everybody saying 191 on title of 192. There was a WhatsApp argument about it. Our podcast uh, producers left left the show now, refuses to work on it. How do you feel about that, mate? No audience members noticed. It's 50% okay. of that was true. <laughs> we don't have a producer. <laughs> if only yet, yet we don't have a producer. Uh, mate. Did you watch the Ironman World Championships yesterday? Uh, no. Well, Sorry. <laughs> Were you hoping I'd say yes? It was in Nice. It was in Nice. First time the men's World Championships has been in Nice, five weeks before the women's, which is coming up in Kona. And an athlete by the name of Sam Laidlow just got to the front of the race at about 50 k's into the bike. He was working with someone else. Then he dropped him, got on the front of the race and just never got off the front. But I, but I bring this up. Number one, well, obviously, it's the Ironman World Championships, so we must celebrate that. And it looked like a really good atmosphere down in, in Nice. Um, but the other reason, he ran a 2.42 marathon, I think it was 2.42, in the Hoka Rocket X. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That I've still not run in. <laughs> I'm going to say this every week until Same. I get to run in them. <laughs> Same, mate. I'm still waiting for mine to be dropped off. Wait, do we not have... We had some delivered to the gym, but they were size... Wrong size. Seven, Something maybe? Like that. <laughs> so, the Rocket X2 is the tip of the spear product kit for elite runners, mm. as Sam showed us. The Rocket X2 has been amplified with a hyper focus on construction, remastered geometry of their propulsive carbon fiber plate, sandwich it between two layers of a brand new, ultra-responsive, high-performance foam. It is only 236 grams. 236 grams. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very light. Now, I know a lot of people will have seen Sam running his marathon in the Rocket X2, but I would say for most people who are normal, this isn't your marathon shoe. This is your 10K, 5K shoe. Maybe even your just speed work track shoe. But those guys at the pointy end of the marathon running well Ironman athletes certainly but also the marathoners who will wear this they have such fast ground reaction and ground contact time that they can wear this shoe and get away with it but I think for most of us normal everyday people we probably want to use this shoe for our shorter work mm. that's what when I when I first looked at it, I thought this is a 5k 10k shoe we've actually held this shoe haven't we yeah when, on the product launch we're just not allowed to wear it yet <laughs> it is very light and uh yeah, very foamy. Very foamy, yeah, agreed. So yeah, there's a few other good results yesterday. Uh, Patrick Langer ran a 2.32 marathon, so 10 minutes faster than the winner, but it was a really, really hilly bike course. And uh, the question was at the start of the day, was he going to be able to do a quick enough bike that would allow him to make up room on the run? And the answer was no. He was back by, I think, four minutes maybe a bit less um but still imagine riding 180 k's with a load of climbing i think nearly 3,000 meters of climbing it's a lot of climbing and then running a 232 marathon i'd just like to be able to run anywhere close to a 232 marathon to be <laughs> honest with you yeah incredible and the big man six foot six magnus ditlev he came home third place and yeah he was probably one of the one of the favorites to um to go there the time gaps are like i think about halfway into the bike so at, at 90k the time gaps from first back to 
10th place was over 20 minutes. Wow. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. And what they're saying was, because the course is so technical, not just a lot of climbing, but obviously you've got a lot of downhills there as well. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to that region of, of France, you know those Alps. They are quite tricky, narrow downhill roads. Yeah. And, um, Sam Laidlow, tra- you know, he lives close to the course, trains on it. Uh, the guy who was in second, it's his home race. He won it earlier in the year. And those boys, when they were getting on the technical parts, they were just putting 40 seconds to a minute into people on certain sections because they just knew how to ride it. So it wasn't necessarily about how much power you can put out and being light and power to weight ratios up the hills. It was also how you handle the, the time trial bikes with a disc wheel on as well. What was the uh, what was the difference when they came out of the swim? Oh, very close. The packs were big. Well, wasn't much difference at all, but it soon split once they got into the, the climbing sections. Okay. Yeah. On shoes, you were talking there about shoes. Um, I wanted to bring up UTMB and because I've read this fantastic article and it breaks down all of the shoes that the top 10 and the top top 10 men and women wore for UTMB. And we have Hoka represented in four of the top 10 women and Hoka represented in three of the top 10 males. Uh, so Jim Wamsley was wearing Hoka semi-custom prototypes. He was wearing two different variations of the Tecton X2. We had Ludovic Pomeret was wearing a Hoka prototype. Don't know what it's called. Released spring next year. We had uh, another Hoka Tecton X2 prototype that's being released in spring. We had on the female side Hoka Tecton X and Hoka Tecton X2 prototypes. Hoka Speedgoat 5, yes! Uh, Tecton X and Mafit Speed 5. So uh, Fu Xiao Xing from China wore three different shoes. Uh, some more Hoka Tecton X2s. There we go. All represented in the top 10, male and female. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my Tecton X2s to the Dolomites in two weeks. It's it's a fast shoe, it seems. Excited to race. Very fast shoe. Excellent. We have a guest today, but before we go there, it's probably, this could be our biggest guest of the year. I'd say so. One of the hardest to get, I'll tell you that. It took a while to organize, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to that. Firstly, mate, what's been happening right here? Within a fight endurance, right here within a fight endurance. So we kicked off. I believe we talked about this last week. We talked about the new track paces that we would set up based on the multi duration testing, and you give a bit more information on what, well, how we use the multi duration test with our athletes. How do you think the new paces went? Uh, well, based on my feedback, because mm. I wasn't here, but based on feedback, they, yeah, they had a hard session, but it was doable. Yeah. Very doable. I think it's very clear. So the the session was 200, 400, 600, 800, and it was all at 3K pace, 30 seconds between each rep, and then three minutes between the sets. I think it was very evident that people went too hard in the 200, 400, mm-hmm. and then suffered in the six and eight. Mm. Yep. And this week... It's called the DFib. <laughs> DFib twelve hundreds. <laughs> so you run a twelve hundred, then you do four by I think it's four hundred, four by four hundred in the middle, and mm-hmm. you finish with a twelve hundred. And you get sixty seconds rest between those and you do as many rounds as you can. It's quite short rest. Why 
Why yeah. such short rest? Got to got to put in the need for the defib, don't you? <laughs> right, you're going. You're working two different systems, right? Like the twelve hundred, you're you're pushing your more of your aerobic system, and the four by four hundreds are definitely anaerobic. So you you're spiking your heart rate during the four by fours, and if you have too much rest, you lose the stimulus of it. So what we want to do is run the twelve hundred around five k pace, so it's it's pretty comfortable. Then you go hard on the four by fours, and then you're trying to beat your first twelve hundred meter pace in the second one. Okay. So you you're recycling. You're getting a bit of everything. You're obviously working aerobically because it's a long long session. Long blocks. You're working your speed work on the four hundreds. Not pure speed. I mean, it's still a four hundred, but it's obviously fast. Or you want to go fast, and then you're trying to hold your three k pace on the final twelve hundred, which means that you're you're coming nicely into the lactagon but it's not called the lactagon that's coming next week it's just on to me as well that by the time this is released the session have already happened so our advice <laughs> is almost a bit <laughs> elevated redundant you'll know then if it turned out as it should have based yeah. on that mate bigger news bigger news you launched the ife trc so many letters <laughs> <laughs> you made your own alphabet and launched it on the weekend <laughs> inner fight endurance trail running club Excellent. yes we did there were 30, I think I counted 33 runners. We lost nobody. Everyone that started finished. A few people turned up late, but we'll, we'll blame Google Maps for that. Mate, we did a 5K, if you like, starter loop um, on the back trails of Shoka, which was really nice because the way the route was split up, it had sort of natural points where people would rejoin each other. So people could go out, run at their own pace, and then they'd reconvene. Mm. came back to the cars filled up and then the second loop was an 8k around Shoka Mother Hump undulating runnable trail and mate, it was wonderful everyone was smiling everyone was happy talking to people they'd never met before I think we had five or six new people that had never run with our community before and they all want to come back in some shape or form which is I presume only a positive <laughs> and yeah we'll keep keep this going keep the traction happening so we'll be running this friday so this will be released on wednesday we'll be running friday i don't know what the date is oh bugger friday the 15th of september we'll be running at mushroof park uh, some tempo or some undulating sand if you want to join us and then saturday the 23rd we'll be hitting the mountains if you want to join any of those sessions or trail running community send me a message please and you sign up as a club member. You do, yeah. So as a club member, you will get access to all of our community sessions. You get access to trail runs on Fridays and Saturdays. You get access to our trail running camps, which will be over the, the weekends, usually a Friday, Saturday. You get access to Chamonix camp, coffee runs, track. It's basically a trail running. Well, it's a, it's a community of trail runners with additional runs to support your trail running yeah that's it so if you don't want one-to-one -one coaching but you want to become a better runner and join the best community of endurance runners on the planet yeah there you go that's what it's for go on tell them they want to know how much oh they want to know how much <laughs> on the spot. if you sign up for the end oh of the week you'll do it for goodness. one dollar <laughs> 
Uh, That's how much Rob Jones cares about his program <laughs> prices. He I care can't about even tell you. I can't tell you how much it is, but I can I can tell you how much well how what the sessions are and how much I love people running. <laughs> I'm just pulling it up now. Fill the fill the fill the gap of time. One month is nine two five. Three months is two four nine five, or six months if you're committed and you love running so much. Four thousand five hundred dirhams. 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 And I believe the website goes live today so you can find out more information on the inner fight website excellent well we could probably do a whole show on our weekend we had our first road ride out there supported by velo presto we had a long run on sunday and uh yeah i was was here around the gym on the weekend and the gym was bouncing as well so everyone's back from holiday Mm. everyone's kicking off into things today's show though we did mention we have a guest rob jones you have done an iron man before i have done one you've done one iron man could what? you imagine waking up the following day and doing another? Absolutely not. So could you imagine what it's so like? I so sore. I was so sore. <laughs> to do 105 days of Iron Manning. Uh, you know, we were in the car yesterday and, and you were talking to me about this. And then when do you stop and at what stage do you learn everything that you've gone out to learn when you do a challenge like that? And I, I still can't fathom it. I can't fathom how big that is. Yeah, it's huge. Um, a few years ago, an American chap set the record of 101, and today's guest decided he would go for 102. But as you'll learn, he actually printed 123 days worth of bibs. <laughs> and you'll learn how he broke the record, his mindset around it, a few other interesting thoughts that he has. I think it's a really, really interesting conversation. And as I say to him during the interview, this isn't a podcast of me asking him what he ate every day, uh, what his power was, data stuff. He's gone on other shows and he's talked about that. This podcast is more around his mindset, around his learnings, his thoughts on other challenges and basically what led him to taking on and achieving this challenge of 105 Ironmans consecutively. And the scary part is he could have carried on. He could have carried on. He could have carried on. And someday I'm sure he will <laughs> and will achieve the big number that he has in his mind that he would like to do. And he says, if it's not him, he will help the person who, who does do it. There you go. That's your invite right there. If you want to go and break <laughs> that record, he will help you. So really happy to say here is today's guest, Mr. Sean Conway. Enjoy. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Yeah. So uh, what time is it over there? Where? <laughs> 2 p.m. You were trying to stitch me up with a midnight show. Yeah, so <laughs> I kept it's saying no. Of, yeah, it's, I, I sort of try and do my. Uh, if people want to do podcasts after the kids go to bed, seems to be the uh, guaranteed I'm around. Whereas in the daytime, it's sort of hit and miss, really. So I always sort of do that one first. So, uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. I'm yeah. just an hour away from packing to head off to do a double double iron uh, this weekend. So it's uh, go 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 here at uh, at my house. Wow. Okay, well, let's maybe start there then. Let, for listeners who don't know who you are, which is crazy, everyone should know what you've achieved, but talk about what you, tell us what you did this summer. <clears throat> well, this summer I broke the world record for the most number of uh, Ironman distance triathlons in a row. So a full Iron, same as a full Ironman, basically, which is a 2.4 mile swim, then a 112 mile bike ride, and then a 26 mile or a marathon uh, at the end. And you have to do that every day. Got 17 hours to f- complete it 
in the day if you've missed the cutoff it's game over if you're short one mile at the end of the day it's game over you know there's no rest days there's no averaging you can't sort of do you know one and a half today and then only half tomorrow you've just got to do the distance every day and i did that from the 10th of april to the 25th of july or somewhere there it was um it was weird it was while i was doing it felt like eternity i remember you know beginning of april going oh wow i'm doing this until july that's a long time and now that it's finished i'm like what happened like just was like boom and it's gone (laughs) it's weird yeah yeah and that's something i wanted to chat to you about is just how you deal with that amount of time um where you're doing nothing else but the same thing i mean you're doing a lot you but it's swim bike and run and eat and sleep swim bike run eat sleep and almost the the consistency of that i mean the physical side of it mate is obviously unbelievable but the mental side of it must have been something else yeah weirdly so you've got to be bang on on both you can't sort of you know you can be the as strong-minded in the world but if you're taking 18 hours to do an iron man you, you're just not going to do it like it's impossible right so you've got to be fit enough to be fast and then you know that's the first part of the big jigsaw and then you've also then got to want it enough to carry on when it's miserable because no matter how fast you are it's going to be miserable and it's going to be painful and fatigued and missing your family and there's a whole host of things that you have to deal with every day but yeah for me the way I dealt with it was it was just, it was a non-negotiable, really. Getting up every day at 4.29, getting in the pool, you know, that was it. I took each, like, real baby steps. You know, I'd, I never thought about the run um, until really I was at the beginning of the run. You know, even halfway, you know, even the last 10K on the bike, I'm still thinking about the bike, really, and the fact that I need to eat in that last bit because you often stop eating towards the end of a leg because you you think oh I'm I'm pretty much done now I you know I eat, I eat at the transition but actually it's just too late really so uh, I would take each baby step so when my alarm went off I was like right well I need to get in the car I had to get down the stairs like that was always mission number one trying to walk down the stairs in the morning which was extremely painful um, then I get in the car and then it was get to the pool and then get changed and then I was like right well now I need to get in the pool and and uh, I knew even in the pool, I didn't think about the whole swim. I was just like, right, well, let, let's get my warm up done. So usually the first 500 meters is warm up time and blood gets flowing. And, uh, you know, everything I just had to do. There was no plan B. So, and once I, once you sort of really cement that philosophy and you really believe it, that's the other thing. You can just say it and not believe it. But I really believed there was no plan B. It was this or nothing, you know, so and that kind of it's, it's always been that case for me really i don't know why but um yeah I've, I've never really struggled on the mental side i've always been quite strong there i think it's probably it's my strong point i guess mm. and this wasn't a case of you having a crack and it going well you actually tried this last year didn't you yeah i tried it last year I, I messed up quite a bit there on various different things one my route was terrible um I'd had changed my route by, so I only got to day seven. I got, I fell off the bike on day five, basically, and pulled a tendon that links the, your shin bone to the top of your foot, the one that you use, you use to lift your, your toe up, your foot up, as it were. Um, so that was the sort of the end of me, really. But 
even without that injury, I'd made some terrible decisions in my planning. Um, even though I had rectified them by day seven anyway, but it was sort of almost a bit too late. And then the injury was just the nail in the coffin. Uh, had I not got injured, I would have definitely carried on. And, and had I not got any other injuries, I would have slowly caught, clawed back time. So actually by day seven, you know, I was a little bit quicker on the bike. I think I was a little bit quicker on the swim. My run was super slow because of the injury. But uh, yeah, I just, just, you know, I had no experience and I've never done an Ironman. So I was just sort of trying to work it out and trying to be near my house where I live, which turns out it's too hilly. So I actually landed up doing this attempt a bit further away, which wasn't ideal because it meant I had half an hour getting home in the evening, just sat in a car really, which not doing anything, you know, not sleeping, not not stretching. So, you know, you learn, you learn. And I sort of don't care failing. I'd really be like, I really feel nothing if I fail. I, I'd rather have a crack and fail than not have a crack at all, genuinely. And that's why I failed loads of stuff. <laughs> if you look at my website, there's a whole section of things I've messed up. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I have a tendency to go into stuff unprepared because once I got an idea, I get so excited. I just want to do it. I just want to do it, you know. And, and often there's weather involved. So, Truthfully, when I thought of, I only really thought of the idea in December 2021, and the latest I thought I could do it is July for the weather. So I, I, I trained really hard for six months. Um, July was quite late; it was quite hot. Uh, but really, I should have waited a whole year. I should have waited until when I did do it this year, until the April 2023. But, you know, in my head, I'm like, it's December 2021. I'm not waiting until 2023. Because in my head, that's like two years away. It's like, I'm going through 21, 22, and 23. Like, nah, I just... So I don't I don't think I would have ever sort of been sensible and purposefully decided to put it 18 months away or, or yeah, 16 months away. It's just not my nature. <laughs> yeah. so i did wing the first attempt um but the yeah the injury obviously just ended me really because then i was so slow with the injury i missed the cutoffs so um that was it game over really where do you think your your learning of or how do you think you learn to not care about failures i don't know i don't know i, I have a sh i think i have a terrible memory well i know i have a terrible memory that probably helps so that when I fail stuff, I sort of, you know, a few months later, I've just forgotten about it. And then over time, I've realized, well, actually, it didn't really matter that I failed because I'm going to have another crack anyway. And I've learned something from it. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't I'm sort of not, you know, failing and jumping on the sofa and life back to normal. It's still pretty crap. You know, I still feel like I've disappointed people and my sponsors who've invested in me and, you know, I've disappointed them. I've disappointed my family. I've, I've inevitably canceled holidays to do something, you know, cause that was three and a half months. So from July all the way through till September or whenever it was, um, uh, October actually, uh, you know, we weren't going to go away on holiday and there was, you know, family stuff. We got moved around. So for me to get, injured on day five and then I still carried on to day seven and then realized it was you know I missed the cutoffs and it was at, over then it was I was sitting at home going like well well that's this is crap but then I, I bounced back you know and I straight away I was like right well, it was crap and it's I've ruined the year now and now I've got the rest of the year to to try and fill my diary and all that thing you know because you I put work off you know you cancel jobs and things like that 
Um, but then the exciting part is like, well, actually, I've got another eight months, nine months of training, which will make me even stronger and faster. So that was that excited me a lot to have that time to train because truthfully, six months is not enough time to do 105 Ironman distances. Uh, you need a year. Yeah. 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 And probably not the way people are thinking how you, why you need to train for those many. You're not really training for the, for, for going fast on them. You're training durability of your body, right? So tendons, yeah, joints. Yeah, but you still need to be fast. Mind. Yeah, you still mm. need to be, you need to be able to do a 14 hour, I think. I think that's your benchmark. And not only do you yeah. need to be able to do a 14 hour, you need to be able to do a 14 hour in zone one or two heart rate. So, yeah you know, you've got to A, get to a physical point where you can walk, you know, you can breathe through a 14-hour Ironman. Um, and that's not easy, you know, that you you need to do a lot of training to get to that level. Uh, and then also you've you've just got the volume training to get you your body adjusted to the, the load and the stress and the strain and get your all your ankles and your knees and your hips and your shoulders all working sweet and the fact that, you know, you're not going to get tendonitis because of inflammation. You know, once your muscles and tendons are all sort of going through that adjustment period, which you, you shouldn't have in the Ironmans if you're doing multiple irons. But, you know, you, you should yeah. have got, I should have. And I was planning to get the start line having gone through the adjustment period already. But I I was ill. I got a chest infection. A few, I actually delayed the start by a week because of a chest infection. So... I, I was a bit down on my physical side at the beginning, which is if you look at my times on my website, my splits for everything. Yeah, it was pretty bad mm. at the beginning. It was close. I, also, I heard it. you talking about your resting heart rate was really high when, in the first week or so as yeah. you went through. So the not even my, my sleeping heart rate. So, so your resting heart mm. rate is awake on the sofa and then you got your sleeping heart rate, which is always really low, you know, like mine's in the thirties um, at the moment. Um, my sleeping heart rate was 89 in that first week. So average. So there were times mm. where my heart rate when I was asleep was a hundred. Um, and it should be 30 something now it's 30 something now. And then, you know, my resting was a hundred because, you know, there's that classic line I keep saying, which is, is Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until I punch him in the face. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what it felt like, you know, like, Day one, two, three, four, my body was just like, what's going on? You know, I was overfueling, so going to the loo a lot. So, and then because all the blood was in my legs uh, to, you know, try to recover my muscles, it wasn't in my stomach, so I wasn't digesting as much food. So I, I was, you know, just slow and sluggish. And I picked up a knee injury because of a saddle, sight, a saddle height issue uh, on the bike. And then my right shin went, which was similar to the feeling I had on the last attempt, which was on my left shin. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't got the same thing now, have I? Uh, but luckily, just a bit of taping um, fixed that. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, so yes, you do got to train to be robust, but you also have to be quick enough to get eight hours sleep if you want to make it sustainable and and increase your chances. Could you do it with six hours sleep a night? be hard you know the previous record holder james lawrence i think he was only having about five or six because he was mm. having tons of physio and he was a bit and he was a couple hours slower than me as well 
and he had a rough time you know his recovery was years afterwards because he was had a, his body was under so much more stress than i was because he just was not as fit as i was like you know and um and that's not me just saying it that's just looking at my numbers you know if you look at all my yeah, numbers yeah. i was quicker better heart rate you know and all that sort of thing um and i was getting more sleep and sleep is you know i don't want to say it's number one priority but it was definitely number one priority if you know what i mean yeah i think so when it comes to the length of time you were doing this for absolutely the um the other side to this this is definitely not your first big challenge um i actually remember starting to to follow what you were doing you were doing a triathlon i believe around britain you were yeah 20 swimming a, a crazy length yeah and you but... rode and you rode on a bamboo bike is that right yeah i rode, I rode a bamboo bike because so I was breaking the record for the world's longest triathlon, along the the longest continuous triathlon. So it landed up being a hundred and twenty mile swim, three thousand two hundred, I think, on the bike, and then eight hundred something on the run. Maybe eight hundred on the run. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember now. But um, the uh, yeah, the bamboo bike thing was me trying to show people that you don't need the best kit in the world. You just got to have a will for it, really. Because, yeah. you know, all these brands are offering me all these very expensive bikes. But I thought, you know what? If I'm doing this and I have a 10,000 pound road bike uh, and all the kit, you know, people are going to look at it and go, well, of course you can do it. He's got all that and all this fancy, you know, blah. Even though I was self-supported, so I did it on my own. I just wanted to show people that actually, you know, we can all get kind of, you, we can use that as an excuse, can't we? Oh, I would do it, but my bike's a bit crap. Oh, I don't have good trainers. Oh, look at that guy. He's got 200 good trainers. Oh, I've just got these cheap old things. But really, until you get to like a 90% level, the kit doesn't matter. Yes, you want to get to that top 10%? Yes, then you can start yeah. looking at kit and, you know, dare I say it would have been a lot harder doing 105 full irons on a bamboo bike, of course, um, which it would yeah. have done. It would have been harder. Could I have done it? Maybe. Don't know. I'm increasing the risk. Um, but uh but yeah, so yeah, so that was 2016. I broke that record for the longest, longest triathlon. 2016, yeah. And I remember it because, well, people who live in the UK will understand the up and down nature of uh, of the UK, but you're in North Wales, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in North Wales at the minute, yeah. yeah. And when you were doing the, I think you're the running section, did you run from, was it from London that you started running and you ran all the South Coast? Up the so, no, actually, coast. I, but the run leg was from Scarborough. So I did Scarborough all the way down Lincolnshire, all the way in around the Wash into Norfolk, all the way down the Kent coast, Essex, Essex, Kent. Uh, okay. Through London, though. So obviously, I had to crop, you know, I, it was all on foot. So I had to go all the way yeah. in. My first crossing point was Tower Bridge. Um, so I had to run all the way into London and then two days running back along the river, looking at the bits, you know, well, I remember when I turned onto the Thames, I think by Gravesend or whatever, I could, I looked over Gravesend yeah. and gone, oh man, it's going to take me like three days to get back to that spot, which is only a hundred meters away. And, um, yeah. So then file of London out again, Kent, and then finished in Brighton for the run leg. So, yeah. Okay. So not the worst of the Hills, but my, when you were doing your 105 this time around how many times do you draw back to experiences from like that continuous triathlon and you know stuff you did before that because the point i was getting to was i think since was it 2012 ish you've been doing 
crazy challenges like this? Yeah, I've done multi-day stuff since like consistently since 2012. I did cycle Land's End to John O'Groats in 2008 as a, just a holiday, really slow, 50 mile a day on a good day. Um, yeah. So, but that was again holiday. But yeah, as a, as a sort of endurance endurance feat since 2012, I've been doing multi-day stuff. And um, oh yeah, I mean, that's one of the, there's 10 pillars of endurance, which is planning, experience, fitness, health, nutrition, hydration, sleep, um, muscle management, motivation, and community. So, you know, through over the last 12 years or whatever, I've consistently just learned a whole lot about myself and on all those pillars, you know, whether it's sleep, nutrition, hydration, muscle management, uh, planning experience, you know, all those things I, I draw back on. And sometimes I forget them. I remember halfway through the the uh, the Ironmans, I was like, I, I remember there was something. I was like, oh, why didn't I do this? And I suddenly realized, wait, I've, I learned this 10 years ago. Why, why, have, I early, why have I forgotten it? You know, <laughs> I don't remember. What <laughs> you it said was. you had a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, it was something like it was a chamois cream or, or something that I used to use that I really liked. And I was getting saddle sores and I suddenly was like, oh, yeah, I actually I found this freaking awesome chamois cream 10 years ago why have i forgotten to use it <laughs> you know so yeah i do forget yeah. some stuff but you know you, i am looking back half the time and my other sort of superpower i guess if i was going to have one is i'm very good at micro analyzing everything literally everything every little feeling i have whether it's a physical feeling an emotion a performance you know if i'm slightly down today i i really over scrutinize the previous two days i'm like right why am I bad today? Why am I feeling worse today? What have I eaten? What have I not eaten? And yeah, I'm looking at everything, you know, how much protein I've had, salt, if there was any increased sugar, because I try and have no sugar. Um, I don't know. I'm not completely zero sugar. Um, but because, you know, like when I was drinking the full fat cream, there's some sugar in full fat cream, for example, and there's some sugar in yogurt. And, and, and I was having a lot of fruit. So I was having fructose, but I was having zero gels, zero like haribos for quick energy no um soft drinks nothing at all so n no fruit juices either so none of that sugar mm. hits um so i was keeping to pretty low gi and high fat diet for this one um because mm. my heart rate was 110 all day pretty much so i could afford to just do fat really if, if my heart rate was any higher i would have had to i would have needed more carbs and also i just wanted to keep weight on so you know getting calories per mouthful was my you know my goal really the most calories per mouthful but uh yeah so mm. i am drawing on all the experience really um and you know i am a rookie in the world of iron man i've never done an iron man i've never done triathlon actually I've never done a, a this in fact this double i'm doing a double this weekend will be the first triathlon i've ever done um as an organized event is that so, the, the bala one the one that yeah, they do at the one. yeah the one in bala nice. no yeah. sorry no not bala flamberis I'm doing Slambaris. Okay. Um, Mad. So Bella yeah. was last. Bella was last weekend, and they had to call off the swim, unfortunately, because it was so misty. Um, so it was oh, just wow. a duathlon in the end. But um, yeah, the weather weather looks good for this weekend, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's, it's my first race. So nice. this is a new territory for me. I'm like, wow. Well, I, I've never done a one day. Well, a one. I say it's one day. It's be thirty something hours, but it's it's really short for me. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Like I do an event and I come home and I 
a day later and I that's it that's it done like I've never done that before so basically a sprint for you mate yeah exactly you, um, keep up <laughs> you mentioned you you like to analyze things do you do you ever think back to why you know how you've ended up doing what you do which is obviously adventure adventure things like who do you think back to when you were growing up like who did you look up to why have you ended up in this you know in this niche um job i guess it is a job yeah isn't it? yeah i mean i've I, I had zero sporting sort of inkling until i was 30 i did a bit i did sport at school because i had to do sport and i got okay at, at canoeing um but yeah once i left school i just did zero sport really other than that lands end john O'Groats bike ride in 2008 uh yeah I, I did no sport so what did you do what did you train as I was a, school. I was a photographer and I landed up being a school uh, photographer. So remember school photo nice. day when you have your photos taken yeah, and your yeah, parents yeah. buy them and you, they're now usually on the hall on the staircase in your in your parents' be, uh, house. Um yeah, so I did just every day would go out and photograph kids at schools and then flog them to the parents and um yeah, paid the paid the wage and paid the bills, but it wasn't very exciting. <laughs> you know, I, I turned 30 and I just I gave that up. Um and I wanted to go traveling, but I didn't have any money. So I thought maybe there's some weird world record I could do that involves quite a lot of traveling. And at the time a guy called Vin Cox was putting together this thing called the Global Bike Race, which was a la- a race around the, the world, basically. Um so I thought, well that sounds fun. And I saw a couple of other riders having some sponsors and everything so i was like well if they got sponsored maybe i'll get some some sponsored so i went into my computer and found some old photos of me cycling lands into john o'groats as the only <laughs> cycling experience i'd ever done even though i'd only done 50 miles miles a day i somehow managed to convince some sponsors that i could do 200 miles a day and um that was it really that sort of in the long you know the short story version is once i'd done that even though i didn't get the record because i got run over in america I still carried on and it just gave me a hunger and it gave me a, a realization that I need to chase things in life. And the best things for me to chase for my mental health is these crazy, long, difficult challenges. And it works for me. And I've discovered that now and I'll just keep rolling it out until I'm in a wheelchair, I guess. And 30 seems like you had it in your mind, like, okay, when I'm 30, I'm going to start this. But was it a combination? Was was it 30 because you that was it, 30 now and I'm going to do this? Or was it just that you woke up one day and decided I'm going to change? Yeah, I just woke up one day. So I remember James, my business partner, and I had a meeting on like the Friday about sort of the business and growing the business and moving to different areas for to photograph different schools. And yeah, I, sort of something happened on the weekend. And on Monday, I went in and said, I'm out. Yep, done. And I didn't really know what I was going to do, to be honest. And then I quite shortly after I heard about this, this global bike race. And I just was like, right, I'm going to do it. I don't care. I don't care what the the outcome is. I was lucky I didn't have a mortgage and I didn't have a family and that sort of thing. So I wasn't, I was just me. So I am, I'm grateful that that those were my circumstances because had I had a mortgage and a family, it would have been reckless and irresponsible to do what I did. But, you know, that's just the way life worked for me. And I'm grateful that I took my time and, you know, went off and scratched these itches. And now that I have a family, I'm not sitting here going, oh, oh, 
I could have cycled around the world, you know, because I'm sitting here going, yeah. oh, I actually have cycled around the world. So, you know, don't have to do that again. Brilliant. <laughs> and do you think that's where your ability to not worry about what's coming up in the future, like you said, you're not worrying about the run when you're swimming or biking, but that's very similar to what you did there. You just decided, like, let's have a crack and you didn't worry about, oh, but what am I going to do in two years time? Yeah. And and it's going to come and it's going to bite me in the ass at some point that that way of thinking because you know i don't have a pension <laughs> my body's going to fall apart at some point um and caroline my lovely wife she, you know we, at least every couple of weeks we sort of go what are you going to do sean and i'm like i don't know <laughs> but weirdly i didn't think i'd get this far i'm 42 now you know i thought by 42 you know so back at 30 when i cycled around the world it was like right it'll be a one-off thing and then I'll just get back into real life. And I tried after I cycled around the world, I went to the job center. I signed on to the doll and tried to get work and just got no interviews. You know, I have no A-levels. I didn't go to university. Um, and I was a self-employed photographer for 10 years. So trying to get employed was like, yeah, no one was like, well, you don't have what? And you don't have a CV. And the CV says you were the director of a photography company and that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, was sort of like, overqualified but underqualified at the same time you know um so yeah so i then swam the length of britain after that and then once i swam the length of britain and got that record that's when this be became a viable option to put food on the table for me because all of a sudden people were hiring me to do talks like google and microsoft and sky and lloyd's bank and all these you know big companies and then all of a sudden people were like, oh, you should write a book. And then I got a, a, two book deals and then I, I've now written six books. And so it all just sort of happened by mistake, really. It just sort of kind of just came to me a little bit after the swim. Of course, I went out and I did more records and I wrote more books and all that sort of thing. So that's how I'm able to, uh, you know, feed my family. But, you know, even when I finished that triathlon, really, uh, around Britain in 2016, I thought, you know, by 40, I'll have to get a proper job at some point, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's not happened still. And I'm feeling strong. I'm definitely the fittest I've ever been now at 42. Way, way stronger than I was at 30, 35. So I'm actually quite excited about the next five, five to 10 years. See what that holds. Because there is hope. So my my friend Decker Dave, he just won. The, he was the first place on a Decker in Switzerland. So a Decker is, is a continuous Decker. So it's a 24-mile mm. swim, 1,120-mile bike ride, and then a 260-mile run at the end, all in one go. You can sleep whenever you want, but the clock's going and your other competitors are going when you're sleeping. So um, he just won it, and he was 64 years old, Dave. 64, he won it out of everyone. Anyone can enter. Any age, there's nothing. It's just all one one field. Um, there's not many people to do it, to be fair, but still, he won it, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so age favors these, these long stuff. So hopefully I've still got some good mileage in the old legs. Do you ever liken yourself to the sort of early 1900 or 20th century, sorry, um, explorers? You know, like you've got your Shackletons and Scott and things who people see their successes. But if you read their books, they didn't have a clue what they were doing until they landed there and then began their expeditions, you know, <laughs> searching through yeah. uh, Antarctica and things. Do, do you... First of all, do you read about those guys, or do you do you, um do you liken yourself to those guys if you do? Yeah, well, I don't liken them myself to them because I'm not an explorer. 
Um, but I do like it. I mean, my I think war. you are in a way. Well, sort of. I'm more of a sportsman, really, that just happens to do, you know, sporting achievements that have an element of exploration-ish, sort of. Not really. I mean, I've cycled Self, around the world. Self-exploration, so. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Limits. There's no scientific stuff involved, and 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 okay. I can't have rest days, you know. Whereas when you go on it on an exploration, I guess you can have as many rest days as you want, and and it's a very different thing, you know. There's sort of exploring on one end of the scale, and then athleticism on the other end of the scale. And I'm way on the athleticism side of adventure. If you were, if you wanted to group all of us in in an adventure type bracket, um, mm. but really I'm an ultra endurance athlete. And yeah, I, I, I would love to have lived 200 years ago. I think I would have thrived. I think it would have been, I would have, yeah. I would have been Shackleton hundred percent. I mean, if you look at my office here, yeah. <laughs> I am trying to be, an, you know, 20th century explorer, 18th, 19th century explorer. I've even got a picture of Shackleton's boat there in the background uh, on the ice yeah. framed. So, you Brilliant. know, yes, I am very inspired by all those previous endeavors of my, for, you know, my, grand great grandparents generation and i think they were made of much harder stuff than we are and uh, i'd be a fool to categorize myself in the same uh breath as them but i i definitely you know wish i was i don't know i wouldn't ago. sell yourself short to be honest i think what you do is actually very close to what those guys guys managed to do obviously they just had undiscovered stuff i mean that's part of the world we live in now right is not much is left to be discovered so people like yeah, you are going yeah. out and discovering what the human body can do not where it can go just but what it can actually do yeah but i, um, I have so when have, you're yeah i was gonna say but I, I sort of have don't i have zero risk of death at least well not zero i could have got run over on the bike on this i guess but uh, their their risk of dying was <laughs> way higher than mine will ever be yeah. so you know you've got to look true, at that true <laughs> true when you're so when, when you're in you know, deep into the um, into the challenges that you do, but let, let's go with the 105. You know, you wake up on day 50 and your goal is 102, and you, you think, "Well, I've done 50, and I'm not even halfway." I know you've said you don't you don't think about the run when you're swimming or biking, and I imagine you're not thinking about day 102 when you're on day 50. But saying you're not thinking about it doesn't mean that the thought doesn't pop up, and you have to then put it away with another thought. Are you aware that you're doing that or is that something that's just automatic to you now? It's mostly automatic. Don't get me wrong. I did think about it, especially on day 51. You know, on day 51, I was halfway. And truthfully, there was a, a bit of moment, moment of panic, which is like, oh, wow. Like, I have to do all that all over again. And I can't mess it up. You know, like I can't get run over on the bike. I can't get covid I hopefully no one in my family dies. You know, there's all these things that could have gone wrong to end it. Right. And, you know, so of course I thought about it. It's not, I'm not naive to, you know, or immune to the thoughts and, um, but I bury it quickly, you know, cause in fact, I, I sort of have to bury it. I, sort, I really, I, I didn't have the luxury of thinking about it for too long because, you know, I'm a, I'm asleep, then I'm awake and then I have to do this next, thing which will be walk down the stairs and that takes thought process and then i have to get to the pool and 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 start swimming and then I'm, i listen to music from the pool and i gotta think about my technique because i have a terrible technique um and i that takes my brain space then i'm on the bike and then you're on the bike you're thinking a lot because you're trying to avoid potholes and 
you know, there's gone, there's traffic and everything. And I'm trying to remember how much, to, you know, remember to eat the whole time, remember to drink the whole time, don't want to over drink. Because, you know, on a bad day, I went to the toilet 10 times and it's, you know, what, you lose 90 seconds per pee. So I'm like 15 minutes down just in pee stops. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head that does means actually I don't think about the big scary picture because I actually can't. I, there's other stuff I need to think about. And I'm quite good at thinking about those other things. I'm quite good at, as I said earlier, micro analyzing all the things that are going wrong. And then there's a little bit of little bits of injury that picked up, you know, and little niggles. So I'm trying to manage those and work out how to fix them, whether that's physio, tape, technique, hydration, stretching, massage. You, you know, there's a whole various things to help with uh, various niggles. Um, so, so yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it's partly automatic, but I, you know, I'm not immune to having those thoughts in my head i don't let them over overwhelm me though mostly um and i guess that uh you know again one of my little my superpowers i guess and do you think these were when you were you know through your leaving school being a, a photographer up till you finally you know did what you what you knew you loved to do were these was this like a underlying thought were there glimpses of it before you became who you are today or was this just a whole new Sean that you've sort of unearthed as you've gone through your adventures yeah I don't know really I've definitely got better at it now you know there was times in my photography career where I was very overwhelmed by the concept of feeding myself basically you know on the the days where you get no job on the months when you get no jobs in all of a sudden your bank account's down to nothing and you're in the red and you're on credit card money just to pay the rent like that happened a lot and I'm not sure I managed managed that too well. I definitely, when things were going bad in my old life, I would sort of bury my head in the sand and not deal with it. Whereas now, if things are going badly, I'm actively looking for ways to fix it. Like I'm, you know, hungry and hustling for every ounce of of energy or wisdom or knowledge or experience to, to get out of that little that little slump. Um, and I'm pretty good at it now, you know, even in everyday life, you know, sometimes I'll be doing something and suddenly I feel bad for something. And I'll be anxious. I'm like, why am I anxious? Right. Okay. And I, I think, right. Yeah. And it turns out I had a flittering thought that I've, you know, actually not spoken to my dad in a couple of weeks and he's getting old. Um, and, you know, I should probably give him a call. And it was such a quick thought that it was in and out and I'd forgotten about it. But like 10 seconds later, it made me feel anxious. I'm like, oh, wow, why? You know, so and I and some really in in all aspects of life, I sort of overanalyze everything. So, um, but yeah, I definitely didn't do that. I've, that's something that I've learned to do, I guess. Love that. I think there's such a. I know it can all sound a little bit wanky at times. All the journaling and the mind reflection and things, and a lot of people have jumped on it with you know what they do. But I think it's one of the the best things you can do is reflect every day on even just how and why you're thinking the way you're thinking because it'll give you insights like you've just mentioned, like, oh, I had a thought about calling my dad and I didn't. Um, so I need to do that. And then suddenly you feel better from it. If we don't go back and reflect on these things, then we actually don't, and we don't get to the bottom of what's making us feel the anxiousness. Yeah, totally. If that works for you, because sometimes the reflection can put you down a deeper hole and then sometimes you just need to go for a run. Um, so it, <laughs> it's sort of, there's no blanket point. thing for everyone, I think, because 
I do yeah. so much stuff. I'm I'm a monkey as well. So I'm a terrier. Heart, you know, when I do the challenges, I just got to chase stuff. And then the rest of the time, I'm flittering around. Honestly, Caroline hates it because I'll never finish a job when I'm not a terrier mode. I'll do three quarters of a job and then run out of paint. And then instead of going to the shop, buying the paint and finishing the wall, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to do something else for 10 minutes and I'll do something else. And so my brain's super busy the whole time. You know, if I had to reflect on my day every single day, I, I just run out of time. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes but you're reflecting like, in your activity. No, not really. Right? No. Like, that's okay. Yeah. You just no, think normal I'm, thinking. I'm pretty, pretty good at, at zoning out. I sort of, a lot of the stuff I do, I sort of class as meditation, as in, you know, when I'm doing my hobbies or when I'm prepping my bike and getting all the kit ready. I, do, I very rarely listen to audio anything at the moment. Um, so I don't have the radio on in the house or in the office. Uh, even when I, during the 105, I, I, I listened to half a podcast in 105 days for like two hours or one hour even. Um, otherwise I just, I listen to nothing. So, and I, and that gets me into like a pretty chilled out, relaxed state. And I, but yeah, when stuff's sort of not going well, I then will. I, I almost don't have to re- spend time reflecting because I'm so good at now working out why I feel crap that, mm. you know, and sometimes you, it can't be fixed. Sometimes it can't be fixed. And, and you know, mm. and you just have to be sad or feel crap for a bit and go for a run, eat some food, have some sleep, and then, you know, kind of work out, you know, is that is what you're feeling or what you've just been through going to affect the rest of your week or your month or your life? Yes, no, right. Well, if it's not, I'll just feel crap for a day. And that's just the way it is. That's just life. I don't think we should all feel happy the whole time. In fact, I think the word happiness is really bastardized. I think it's mixed with joyfulness and, and feeling joy. I think I think we shouldn't feel happy the whole time, you know, and I think it's unhealthy. I think, you know, we should feel content in things we were doing. But, you know, feeling stressed, feeling down, that's just part of life, I think. And the, the problem is, I think we we some people and I was one of those people back in my old life if I was feeling a bit down it would just get me more down because I thought it was bad and something wrong with me but yes of course if it's progressing and there's patterns and it's and it's constant you need to address them but for me luckily they're just fleeting and and I managed to sort of deal with them and exercise fixes a lot of them to be fair so exercise and ice baths yeah, yeah. I think that's golden there, Sean. I think the the sort of um, parallel to that, with in terms of what our listeners can take, is like every day you're you've got training. You can't expect it to feel amazing every day. You know, there's going to be some days where you're not feeling great. But if your you know your why or the reason you want to do the training is strong enough, then you'll go through it. And the following day, you might be better. Still, might not. But eventually, you will start to come around better. Because I think happiness is not the end goal, right? Happiness is the process. Or it's what a feeling that you enjoy when you're doing something that gives purpose to you. Yeah, yeah. Or you just, yeah, purpose is quite strong as well, I feel, because I think some people don't have purpose and then they feel like they should. I think just feeling content with what you're doing, you know, and feeling you've rewarded for doing things. And I think that's why people are, you know, captivated by doing challenges and running marathons and doing Ironmans, because there's a reward at the end of it. You know, you've achieved something and that achievement is way better than going on a roller coaster you know roller coasters just you're happy for <laughs> five minutes and it's awesome and but actually you know yeah. it's the long hard stuff that 
where you've tried to do something and then you've you know got some sort of re re felt rewarded for doing it i think that, you know that's what we should all be trying to have a bit of you know in our life are you i get the feeling that perfection isn't something that you chase would you agree with that you don't care if something's perfect or not um definitely well some things yeah i sort of have a, a weird i don't have a blanket thing on perfection there's some stuff i do that needs to be perfect um and then other mm. stuff doesn't so it's it's a bit random um do you know how you work that out was it again just something innate to you yeah no it just it's feeling you know uh you know sometimes i'm into doing up old classic cars and there's certain parts of the car that i want to be perfect um and there's other parts that i don't mind they're looking a bit shabby um and i don't know why just is is what it is really uh i i i hate being slapdash at things so there's a sort of an element of me trying to do stuff properly which could be classed as perfection but um but then i also sort of wing it when i'm not ready for it so yeah there's there's it, it's sort of a, a bit of a gray area for me that whole perfection philosophy i think it interested me because you're quite precise with your time like i know you had an alarm like you said 429 um we by the way love our 29 and 59 rules um here in a fight but that's quite a perfectionist trait but then you're like you say within your within your ironmans or within your other challenges that you've done you're so good at dealing with what comes at you and good you know or being just one percent you know in the right direction is better than trying to be perfect or 100 percent in the right direction and so it's a really interesting like character trait that you have is like like you say some things need to be some things don't so i was really interested whether you had a rule behind that or a reason it reason behind that because um, it's quite conflicting if you see yeah, that yeah yeah no i mean that's just the monkey and the terrier in me i guess you know there's these two conflicting characters that bounce around my head the whole time but you know the um the 429 thing it was 434 and then i found out i was getting in the pool at like one or two minutes past five and i didn't like that that didn't gel with me i felt like i'd lost the day already so i moved my alarm to 429 and then i was getting in at you know two minutes to five or one minute to five and then i felt like i'd won the day so there was a, that was pretty much just a practical decision just trying to steal minutes here and there um but you're right yeah i mean there is certain certain elements of um me wanting to be the best at something but then there's also other elements where it's like well I'm not so bothered if I'm a bit crap at this. I don't have to be perfect. I just have to survive. Uh, um, because there is, of course, the downside of trying to be perfect the whole time is you're never going to be perfect the whole time. And then that can ruin you actually doing something. Um, however, I still think you should tr strive for it a little bit. Because if you, the flip side is if you don't care if anything's perfect, you'll never get the most out of yourself. So I think that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say in, in my, the way I think about it. So, yes, I don't mm. strive for optimum perfection. Well, you know what they say, like, you know, reach for the moon and if you miss, you'll hit the stars or the other way around or whatever. So uh, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> yes, you've got to go for the big stuff. You've got to aim to be amazing and be perfect. But don't beat yourself up if you, don't, if you fall short. You know, I mm. think that's better than not caring at all and then just being a bit crap 
because then you, I don't think you're getting yeah. the most out of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought there. The, when you're going through setting up these challenges, I assume you have a coach. So I've never had a coach before, but I did have a coach for this uh, for the uh, for the one hundred five iron one hundred five. Yeah, Tony Clark. Um, and more, he would he didn't coach me from a technique point of view. Uh, I did have a different run coach, a guy called Shane Benzie, to work on my technique. Um, yeah, he's friends with it. We've got a we've had him on the show, and he's been out to Dubai to teach us what he knows as well. Yeah, incredible guy. A, yeah, he's amazing. I, I was lucky. I, I've, I mean, I've done a lot of running, so naturally, I've did, I've built up quite a good technique. So I didn't need a lot of changing on my technique. I do break with my right foot a bit too much, and that landed up giving me hip issues on on the one hundred five. Um, I think. But um, yeah, so but Tony wrote me an amazing training program, basically, which, you know, and I, again, that bit I needed to be perfect, really. And and getting that dopamine hit from getting the blue tick on training peaks. Blimey hell, did I love okay. that? Okay, I was going to ask what you were like to coach. I oh, thought I you it. might be a nightmare to coach or no. you could be either way, right? You could be amazing or yeah. it could be a nightmare. No, I'm the best. Apparently he said I was by a long way, the person who'd followed his training program the most, you know, who who got the Amazing. most green ticks for setting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good at that. You know, I know my weaknesses and my weaknesses is potentially not knowing the right sessions to do. So I land up doing crap ones. Uh, whereas, you know, I've believed in Tony and trusted in Tony. He's a good Ironman triathlete. He went to the world champs in Kona. Like he's, he's, he's a good athlete himself. So... You know, I had a brief. I said, right, I need to be quicker. I have to be quick. You know, I can be, I can have all the endurance in the world, but if I'm doing 17-hour Ironmans, I'm too slow. So we worked on on my speed and 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 power a little bit, but without getting too much power. If you build power, especially on the bike, if you build power too quickly on the bike, it's just fast twitch. Whereas you can build power with slow twitch stuff. It just takes much, much longer, which is why all the Tour de France guys are super skinny, but they're still pushing... 400 ftp right so mm -hmm. you know i needed you know we so we had a program and yeah i did basically three sessions of everything a week so three bikes three swims three runs and did nothing on the weekends so weekends is family time which was you know controversial because a lot of people are like well you got two days off every week wow that's a lot and um but it i needed to do that i mean on saturday i would have something in in the session but it was normally just half an hour on the what bike or a little gentle walk or stroll or something. And, and I, I often sort of, I didn't say I didn't do them cause I needed to get the blue, the green tick, but <laughs> you know, it wasn't super serious uh, to do those ones, but um, yeah, the uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Give me a, give me a to-do list any day of the week. I'm all over it. I, I, in fact, I even write on my to-do so I've you know, I'm quite, I love writing lists. Um, I'll even write stuff on the list that I've already done just so I can cross it out. <laughs> so. uh, that's your terrier brain, I'm guessing, then, not the monkey. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, no idea. <laughs> Do you think anyone's going to beat it? Yes. 105? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, easy. Yeah, not easy, but someone will because I'll tell them how to do it, basically, you know. Um, and I'd love it. I'd love someone to have a crack at it. Uh, with the right roads and the right conditions and the right bike course um yeah 200 is doable i think yeah and i'm a bit like i'm the guy to do it actually but it's the wrong time in my life yeah you know, i got a four-year-old and a two-year-old 
it wouldn't be fair to to my wife um, and to the kids to sort of be away for that period while they're this age. So yeah, I mean, if no one has another crack at the at the two hundred in like ten years time, maybe I'll have another crack at it. Um, so yeah, what watch the space. <laughs> Someone will though. My next like, question, Sean. You you did one hundred and two, and then you were flipping a coin to see how yeah. long you would carry on for. Where, how did you how did you get to that thought process? Because you could have carried on. Yeah, definitely, I could have carried on. So uh, so I printed numbers up to one hundred and twenty three. And that was a brain hack to convince myself that it was a done deal. I'm like, you know, this is like the one or twos. I'm definitely going to do the one or two. Like, and in fact, I'm going to smash it so much that I'm going to carry on to 123. And I just thought, well, that's the next cool number I could think of, right? Um, so I sort of approaching the hundred, you know, I then started having conversations with Caroline and said, right, you know, I'm feeling good. You know, I, I could carry on a little bit. I couldn't carry on too much because I didn't have the funding because I never asked for funding beyond 102. So any mm-hmm. any extra costs after 102 were sort of, I was taking a hit myself on it. And I, I sort of, we, we were like, right, well, we can carry on a little bit, but like to go to 123 would cost thousands and thousands and thousands more. Is it worth it? You know, being away from the family, getting run over my bike course was really public roads um and we, the drive drivers were amazing i you know we only had about five or six close calls with with cars over twelve thousand miles nearly which is pretty good to be fair and um so yeah so i sort of had a chat to caroline and and i didn't want to quit i definitely didn't want to quit um because i felt like that'd be me giving up and i hated that so i knew i would so I, I sort of had a chat with her. I said, right, well, I'll do one oh I'll do one oh three because I'm just interested to see if I can do, you know, can I do one when I don't have to do it? Because all the other ones I had to do to break the record. Like, let's do one oh three to see if that's doable. And I did it. I actually felt good. I was like, the pressure was off. I had a great time. And then I thought, right, well, let me let the internet decide for a couple more. Um and see if the internet says no i'm done then i'll be done so i did a thing on instagram and 71 percent of everyone hates me so they said carry on and uh and then i thought well obviously I the internet thing's not going to work because i think the internet would just keep telling me to do it forever and ever and that's, that's for sure um, yeah not going to happen so at 104 i decided to flip a coin and i thought right let me do the coin thing because actually if the coin tells me to stop it's the coin telling me to stop. It's not me telling me to stop. So I'm not quitting. It's the coin telling me to stop. So at 104, <laughs> I flipped for 105. And it said, you know, it was heads go. So did 105. And then 105, I flipped the coin again. And it told me to stop. So I was like, well, I'll stop. And actually, I felt quite sad, actually, because it was, mm. you know, it was hard. It was really hard. And I sort of explained this. And I've explained this before. The closest analogy I can come to it is imagine having a job that no one else in the world has. Some people said no one else in the world wants either, but never mind. You know, imagine having a job that no one else in the world has, and it's very difficult. You know, it's the most difficult job in the world, but well, it's not the most difficult job in the world, but it's a very difficult job. Uh, but it's very rewarding, and the community around you that have come out to support you doing this job is amazing, and you've raised tons of money for charity, and it's all like all the the stuff around the edges of the job are incredible. And if you stop doing the job, all that stuff goes as well. And that that's the closest analogy I can have, like, you know, because no one else in the world was doing that or is doing that or has done the 105. So 
yeah, it was it was it was hard, but I was sort of ready to to you know be a dad again and see my kids. And the last couple of weeks, my oldest, you know, he kept whenever I got home, he's like, "Daddy, daddy, are you finished your challenge now, so you can play with me?" And I was like, "Oh, oh that was heartbreaking mm. a little bit." So yeah yeah um that was sort of the reason i landed up doing 105 and not 123 really yeah interesting it was it was so interesting to watch mate i would pretty much follow your story every day or every other day and my favorite was the the first story of you walking into the pool pajamas on yeah, I've not I've not looked back at those yet. I've got them all on my hard drive here and I need to have a look back at them. Apparently I looked awful. <laughs> well, you look how you should look when you're doing that many Ironman, yeah. you know, distance triathlons back to back, mate. But I think it's just you know, oftentimes, you know, you say you're not a fan of purpose, but one thing about purpose is if it's bigger than yourself, you you suddenly, you know, transcend yourself and you start to affect others. And I think that's one thing that you you did a lot of. And and one of the pillars you said of your endurance pillars is community. And it was really clear towards the after the first sort of four or five that you were going to start to build a really close community of people around you who would come in and, and join you for things. And I think how many people ran their first marathon with you? Yeah, oh, lots. I forgot to stop counting, really. Um, yeah, it was a yeah, lot, and, wasn't it? And on the bike, you know, everyone had their own little challenges. Who joined me on the bike as well. The one guy wanted to do 100 miles, averaging 20 mile an hour. The other, And then he got to buy white shoes, which he did. And then another guy wanted to do... Um, what did he want to do? 1,000 miles with me consecutively. So he, he came out and he did 100 miles a day for 10 days. Um so yeah there was it was amazing and actually we still got a whatsapp group for mainly the riders who joined me because they were the ones that came most regularly there's one guy who came 40 50 60 times he reckons he didn't count and then another guy came 35 times and you know a bunch a whole bunch came more than 20 times and joined me which is just incredible so um yeah it's been awesome so actually on my double one of the one of the riders one of the regular riders is actually um crewing me on the run leg uh on sunday morning so yeah it's it's been great amazing excellent mate um thank you for your time i've someone that i've really respected for for a while with since i say since i picked up when you were doing that triathlon around um around britain and the other reason is you have a defender and uh, one of your sponsors is the company twisted so yeah you know that's another reason and you live in wales and i'm yeah. from uh, pembrokeshire south wales so that's oh nice third reason yeah, man. But uh, twisted, mate, thank you, got, thank you for your twisted. time. Yeah, they got twisted in Dubai. You should go and check them out. I think they're still there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. I'll have to go <laughs> see if they can give you something. Maybe the steering wheel. Um, <laughs> but mate, thank you. I'm very excited to see what you do next. And uh, if you ever hit the 200, then uh, we'll definitely have to get you back on and, and talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, mate. Honestly, years, ten years before that happens. <laughs> I think. For people, I'd like people to just, once this is finished, just have a think what it's like to do 105 iron distance triathlons back to back. And um, yeah, I don't know there's many people in the world that can do it. You're a very unique human. So thank you for coming on and sharing sharing your thoughts there. And like I said, I think I might have said at the start, I definitely said to you off air, you've done a few other podcasts and uh, the talks talking more about your data within the, the triathlons and things. And I definitely urge people to go and if you just do a Google search of Sean Conway, um podcasts or search in spotify or apple you'll you'll find a range that come up so go and listen there's some great stuff in there about what you ate and 
drank and the kit you used and yeah go and have a listen but hopefully this one gives you a bit more insight into how you think and and you as a person mate so thank you no thank you very much for having me mate it's been an honor thank you